When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Barca Blog Runners Podcast. My name is Josh. Hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, we have an early recording this week because Barcelona play Real Madrid in the Supercopa on Wednesday. So we got together with Christopher uh, McCormick from Managing Madrid to talk um, really just about Real Madrid in general and just kind of find out find out if their form is perhaps maybe just, you know, Maybe just we've been looking at them all wrong and they actually have all these weaknesses. Uh, probably not. Either way, we're going to talk about it, chat about what's changed with uh, Los Blancos since the October matchup. Um, a few bits of news before we get into that. Don't want to bore Christopher with Barcelona news. Uh, so Pedri and Ferran Torres both tested negative and will be in the squad this week. Uh, Ansu Fati should return, of course. Eric Garcia is out for five weeks and on the Real Madrid side, Danny Carvajal is back. Uh, Barcelona, of course, had the interesting 1-1 draw from uh, the weekend playing against Granada. As Jill pointed out in her five things we learned, uh, just had no control over the game. Um, the The injuries is just like <laughs> having Eric Garcia go out and be out for this long sucks. Uh, it sucks that... I shouldn't say it sucks. It's great that Danny Alves is playing so well. Um, it's crazy that a 38, almost 39-year-old is uh, so important for us at this point. <laughs> um, and again, I'm going to have to just like, I'm going to have to say this. Uh, Luke De Jong looked good. Um, I don't... There's nothing to... Uh, there's no, there's there's nothing that makes me feel good about Luke De Jong looking this good, except for the fact that he's scored a hundred percent of Barcelona's goals in the, goals in La Liga so far this year, uh, and I hope that doesn't continue. But it's nice to see him playing well. Hopefully, if he does stay at the club, you know, with Fati back and Ferran Torres arriving. Uh, I think he's going to stay because, frankly, I don't really know why Barcelona would let anyone who can manage to score a goal leave at this point. Nevertheless, Luke de Jong does his thing. Barcelona still drop a point, though, because they can't figure out how to control games. And so heading into the Supercopa this week, Barcelona currently sits sixth place in the table, one point behind Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid. Uh, they sit two points behind Real Betis in third place. So, you know, top four is still right there. They just have to uh, have to capitalize on things. After their match against Real Madrid, they have a week off, and then they play Bilbao in the Copa del Rey 16, and then back to the Liga play with Alves and a huge match against Atletico Madrid. All right, let's get to the interview with Christopher McCormick ahead of the Supercopa matchup on Wednesday. 
All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blog Runners podcast. My name is Josh. We are joined by Managing Madrid's Christopher McCormick. Christopher, how are we doing today? Not too bad at all. I've had a busy day at work, so I'm hoping to wind down with some very, very relaxed El Clasico talk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a good thing we're doing this pre-match because if it was afterwards, the, the, yeah. recent, El, the recent El Clasicos haven't been as fun for me to talk about, so I like to talk about it beforehand because that way there's hope, you know? I can be hopeful that something will change. Yeah, uh, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you talking about? No, you can't. Uh, well, all right. <laughs> five years ago, maybe. <laughs> maybe five years ago. Okay. So just like kind of before we get into how Real Madrid are doing, right? Barcelona are getting some reinforcements, which is great news for us. Uh, Pedri, Ferran Torres, both tested negative. Uh, Fati should be here. Uh, we are losing Eric Garcia. He is out for five weeks. Um, you guys are getting Danny Carvajal back, if I'm not mistaken. So we should have some more... Uh, some more healthy squads. And I, I want to say in October, there was a decent amount of injury stuff. Um, give me the lowdown on Real Madrid since we faced you guys in October, because I feel like it's just basically been Vinicius Jr. has been tearing everybody up. And so that's all I see from like the 10,000 foot view. But what's actually been going on at the club level with them? Um, well, I don't, I mean, I think for most of us, it's a case of <laughs> very much nitpicking out issues with the team because from i think from a stand just a general standpoint it's been a i've never seen quite seen a domestic season like this i've never seen a real madrid side go this far clear at the top of the table um obviously we owe a huge amount of that to the fact that Atletico madrid and barcelona just haven't been up to scratch and our main challenger is sevilla as a result but like it's just yeah i mean it in terms of proper issues i don't think we've really encountered too many in the domestic campaign we've had Vinicius once he when he's fit it seems things just click um I think probably it's it's just it's been a very positive campaign I think the only main issue has been for Madrid fans has been Ancelotti's press um the on-off nature of it uh does he want to do it does he not want to do it and also his kind of where he sees Camavinga playing but I mean like these are very kind of nitty gritty issues considering where we've been where we were last season or two seasons ago well three no I'd, i'd i would love to dive into anything negative um so what are we <laughs> talking about with the ancelotti <laughs> with the ancelotti press stuff what are you referring well, to? well as in um, his pressing scheme so it's very on and off sometimes the team is oh, pressing. i thought sometimes. you literally meant like oh, the press he was being no he, he with the press no, okay, he manages okay, that okay, gotcha. his um usual groove i think he's very he's got a much more warmer it seems he has a much warmer relationship with the press than Zidane ever did I, okay so just like quick quick side side note since we're talking about Ancelotti so when he was at it was Napoli right yes he was at Napoli yeah okay so when he was at Napoli I actually the one Barcelona game I've gotten to cover for Barca Blagranes was a preseason match of Barcelona against Napoli when he was there it was in Miami Florida uh I was down there on vacation so I got press credits to the game and I, I do not speak any other languages besides English. And so going to the post-match presser, you know, I'm getting Spanish. I, I Ancelotti might have been speaking Italian. I can't remember. But all, all I remember was getting to sit like six feet away from him and just like just see him in person, which is the great. It, it was like just looking at this like stoic. And I guess it was surprising because he came off exactly the same way he comes off on the television 
which is just like this like kind of aloof genius and i was just like okay i get it i i, I no longer have yeah. any questions about why he is who he yeah, is i was in madrid over the first week of december and um he's just very he's a very easy character to spot from even as far away as i was i was quite a couple i was a fair few meters kind of in the north stands and uh so he's only a little dot but he's a very he's just i don't know he holds himself in a certain way that he's very easy to pick out in a crowd um he's just like the definition of class but anyways we were talking you you were talking about the way that real madrid press not the no. actual press so go that would have been fun bit. to talk about but <laughs> uh yeah the pressing scheme i mean it's just it's a it's an on-off thing i think to an extent as of late Ancelotti has given up on it a bit um which is fair enough I suppose uh given how things are working out he doesn't have to worry too much about it uh again it's nitpicking issues but yeah it just seems it doesn't seem it, it's always been an issue for this squad in particular I've no I think over the rec- over recent years any manager who tries to bring in anything too intense in terms of a pressing scheme has struggled to kind of get that message across and make it cohesive um and Ancelotti has been no different um so besides uh Vinicius Jr what is the most threatening part of Real Madrid's attack right now that's easy (laughs) yeah okay I I was gonna say okay let me rephrase the question um what is the most impressive part about Real Madrid besides Vinicius so that could be midfield defense Benzema whatever you want um I mean, I think it would be two. I think Benzema, obviously, I mean, Benzema just goes without saying. Uh, I think he hit, he's crossed the 300 goal mark um, last weekend, which given where he was in 16, 17, where he, he like, and actually this is perfect. He like missed six sitters against Valencia in that 2-2 draw at the start of the 17-18 season. And everyone just went ballistic at him to now crossing 300 goals against Valencia a couple of years later. It's just, it's completely, it's bonkers really. Um, what he's able to just produce, he, what he's been able to produce for the club in the last couple of years. And this season has just been no different. He, there's no stopping him. Um, I was talking to Ruben, who I do the Castilla Corner podcast with over the weekend. And we were talking about the Holland rumors and he was, you know, Ruben brought the point. He's like, the issue with Holland is, can you drop Benzema in this form? <laughs> you know, I mean, I I think these are wonderful issues to have. It's very, very gifted issues to have. But um, we have the same problem. We're curious if we can drop Luke de Jong for, uh, <laughs> yeah, for Holland. Yeah. <laughs> the the four goal menace, Luke de Jong. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I, I was actually curious. So Mbappe's coming. Um, is his fit with Benzema any sort of a problem? Um, I don't. I this is I, this is a conversation I seem to have a lot. I just can't. I can't connect the words of having a player like Mbappe or Haaland in a team and call it a problem. I don't think whatever it is as an issue, it just doesn't matter. You just you work through it. I mean, you just accommodate that player no matter what. Um, I think Benzema is more than used to working around a kind of a kind of a, a spotlight forward. Um, he was able to do it with Ronaldo for 
a large majority of his career. So I don't think. There's well, and be... they play the national team. Yeah, too, I don't. Which I think I often forget about when I mention that. Well, I mean, a, it's a very a... recent. It's a very recent phenomenon for Benzema. He's only back yeah. only like in the last year or so. But yeah, I don't. I I don't think there'll be much of an issue. So okay, you're five points up on Sevilla. They actually have a match in hand. I'm pretty sure. So that could be two points. Uh, is there any sort of uh, worry is a strong word because we're talking about football, not world problems here, but is there any worry on the Madrid fan side that Sevilla actually posed some sort of real challenge? I think when it comes to the modern Real Madrid fan and the league title, there's always going to be concern. I think we have a, a very unique ability just to drop it in the, in the domestic game in a way that just it's not seen in Europe but I think and Ancelotti said this as well after they won the derby he said you know we had won 21 games in my last season at Madrid and look what happened then so I'm not going to get too excited so um, I mean I think it's on everyone's minds that stuff can go wrong but I think um, what's different to those seasons and what's different now is that I just don't think we're competing with a team that really thought they were going to be in the title race this year um, and I don't think even I don't think Sevilla will ever come out and say it, but I don't really think Julian Lopetegui believes that if it comes down to making a you know if he wants to win silverware this year, is does it come down to winning the Europa League or something like that? So heading into this match with Barcelona, are Real Madrid going to field the team that showcases their best, or is this a uh, kind of just flimsy Real Madrid side that we're going to see? Um, I think there's a case, I think for me anyways, there's a case of the team we probably would be smart to field and the team we probably will field. In my opinion, as much as I personally love the title of Spanish super champions, I mean, I go into each year, you know, Bernabeu trophy and Spanish super champions. That's all I want in the season every year. Um, personally, I don't think the travel, the mileage, um, and you know you have to consider as well that a lot of the key parts in this team are not young people; they're in their thirties. I personally think it's not really worth pl- putting out a very strong team to win this trophy. I think it, you should it should be managed properly. Saying that, Carlo Ancelotti would probably disagree with me heavily. I think he, and maybe he's right too. I don't think if he put out a weak team and lost to Barcelona in the Super Cup, it would go down very well in Madrid press. But um, Judging off his track record and at this club, I imagine Madrid will play a very decent lineup. Ancelotti doesn't really believe in rotating the team too much more than he has to. Um, I think you're liable to see the likes of Luka Modric, Vinicius play, um, and Carvajal, provided he's fit. Um, you know whether that's a smart move or a dumb move on our part is up to debate. I think no one can really argue with Ancelotti's choices <laughs> considering how things are going so far so it's the way well, it's that's unfortunate I, I was hoping to hear Vinicius might get some time off he, um, might, he might surprise me but I, I highly doubt it no he, the, the, it's going to be a full it, it's going to be a full on attack um what and I I do have to say uh I just I have more questions about Real Madrid or really just one more question but like my take on this match is that I think both teams are clearly better than they were in October when they last met I still do not believe that Barcelona are in the same atmosphere as Real Madrid uh, on a, but on on a given day, I do think Barcelona have talent to do 
something now. And, you know, it would take a Real Madrid dud for, I think, Barcelona to compete because I don't think Barcelona can score with Real Madrid. Uh, but I think they're going to, they're not going to roll over like they no. somewhat did in October. Um, so, last question uh, Real Madrid, what do they need to do to become the top threat in the Champions League? <laughs> Um, I think number one is to figure out their pressing issues. If they can get a aggressive, competitive pressing scheme going, then I think there's certainly, um, I think there's certainly opportunities to do something in Europe this year. I also think that they, ju- I, it, it needs to be a priority now that the league title is as far away. We are, we are as far away from Sevilla as we possibly can come the later stages of the knockout um which you know i it's not a guarantee with madrid like i say i just don't think you can ever write off madrid doing something weird in la liga that puts themselves under pressure um it's the way we are so okay and and this is chris's opinion uh not just like the madrid fan base's opinion yeah uh just current like european form do Real Madrid crack the top? Th- I mean, I guess, I don't know. Where would you kind of put them in the pecking order, right? Because I guess in my head right now, like I think of City and Byron as like one, two in some order. And then for, you know, three to five, it's something like Real Madrid, Liverpool, and PSG. But I don't really know how to rank that. In yeah. your head, what's the European pecking no, order? No, I, right I, I think it would look very similar. Um, I think the likes of Bayern, City, PSG are just in terms of resources, in terms of schemes. Chelsea as well. I think Chelsea have a very... I don't think they've shown their best form Agreed. as of late, but it's certainly up there. Madrid, I just think, you know, I think when it comes down to playing against some top European sides, that gap in La Liga is not going to... is flattering us a little in terms of how good we are. I, You know, as I think we've talked about where Real Madrid and Barcelona are on or in different places in terms of team mentality and stuff like that. I also think that Madrid and the kind of other big sides in Europe are at a different place, different places um, in terms of competing. Um, really? So you, so you think there's a little bit of a gap between, you know, Bayern definitely. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, I mean, Vinicius has obviously blasted out the gates this year, but I mean, last season there was talk about shipping him off. Um, so I mean, it just it it goes to show as much as he's a talent player, he's still a young player. So expecting him just to continue to charge over teams, um, this season, in the future, he's going to have his struggles. Um, he's still such a young talent; he's still got a lot of learning to do. Um, and then also the core elements of this team are, you know, they're not in their primes anymore. Luka Modric is. 36 37 years of age he's defying he's defying the laws of nature by playing the way he's playing tony crows i it stuns me that tony crows is in his mid-30s because i thought he would stay like 20 forever 29 forever (laughs) you know um i mean definitely there's i think there's pieces there to compete but i also think we need to have a couple of favors go away in europe all right and uh as usual on every real madrid you know I, i always bring this up with matt whenever he's on I just have to remind people that you guys signed Eden Hazard because people always remind me that, you know, Philippe Coutinho, Usman Dembele, <laughs> we have multiple, but you guys signed Eden Hazard. So I just have to, I have to throw that out there at the end of this podcast. Um, is there any reason to think that Real Madrid won't win tomorrow? Um, 
I don't know. I, the, the, the form book always goes out the door at Clasicos. Um, I don't think there'll be a game that Xavi will want to win as a manager more than this one. Nope. It, it, like, it, the way the season's is, going. This is the this game is of the go- season. Yeah, this is as good as it's going to get. If they win this, he has something to build upon. Um, whereas for Madrid, it's... I mean, I, it's, I have to put it lightly because I know I might upset people, but for Madrid, this isn't that important of a match. There's bigger it's, games. It's kind come. of a lose-lose because if you win, it's like, eh, whatever, get the Champions League, get La Liga. And if you lose, it's like, you lost to this Barcelona team. And so it's great for us, you know? Walk in, yeah. no pressure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so we should see. I mean, it. It. I, I will... I think I've gone through some fallow years and classicos never to write off barcelona yeah all right um so everybody be sure to check out the managing madrid podcast i look up to the the way that they run things a lot over there uh check out the blog they do great work and uh chris thank you for joining me no problem i will be happy to come on after the match for to talk about the demolition job that's coming hopefully (laughs) calm down let's calm down all right